your afternoon home for Kings Talk and more. This is Cattles and Rami on Sacktown Sports. So after game two of the finals, a lot of people were talking about Nikola Jokic. By the way, we'll be joined by Raphael Barlow in about 10 minutes to talk about the NBA draft, including the Kings and possible targets. But a lot of talk about Nikola Jokic, Rami, and, and a lot of talk about make Jokic a score. Make him a score and you can beat him. We had mentioned several times in the show earlier this week that the Nuggets are 0-3 and when Jokic scores 40 or more in the postseason. Make Jokic a score. And it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting when you look at, you know, how the Heat defended Jokic. And it was especially interesting how they defended him in the zone. They were making sure he couldn't get touches at the free throw line. But that wasn't the only guy that we mentioned on the show earlier this week. I mentioned Jamal Murray a couple of times, saying that, to me, one of the biggest issues for Denver in that game, too, was not that Jokic was defended as a score or whatever the hell that would mean, but also the fact that Coach Spo decided to defend Jamal Murray with Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. and Butler did a good job. So Steve Kerr was on Draymond Green's podcast after Game 2 had finished up. They were talking about some of, you how know. How land Steve Kerr? That's a big get. Pretty pretty tough, I'm sure. I, I don't even know how he got his number. Really? Must know some people. And, uh, of course, they were talking about adjustments from Game 1 to Game 2. And uh, here's what Steve Kerr had to say. You know, I haven't talked to Spo or anything like that, but I can see them in their coaches' meetings saying, Murray's the head of the snake. You know, not not Jokic. Like, like yeah. you, if you just look at it, you go, well, Jokic is the head of the snake. But mm-hmm. when you play a team, you sort of realize, wait a second. Like, that guy's going to – he's going to dominate no matter what we do. So yeah. we got – this is the head of the snake. And I think they just decided Murray's the guy we got to stop. So you start love, you put Jimmy Butler on Murray. And then you saw, like, they were blitzing Murray quite a bit yeah. and uh, really trying everything to take him out of the game. Hmm. Hmm. So, a lot of people were yapping about Jokic and the impact that Jokic had scoring-wise. and you know, He didn't have as many assists, and that's really where the offense went wrong. And if, you know, the Heat continue to do this, maybe they have found something. Steve Kerr said he was watching the game and said, oh, huh, they're making life difficult for Murray. They're doubling him. They're blitzing him. They're putting Butler on him. And Kerr went as far to say that Murray is the head of the snake. He said, I have to imagine that, you know, Coach Spo was watching film and told his guys, Jamal Murray is the head of this snake, not Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. Murray is. And in game two, Murray finished with only 18 points on 15 shots. Rami, are people overlooking or discounting the importance of Jamal Murray because they're all too wrapped up in Nikola Jokic? This is terminology and semantics just picking apart what Steve Kerr said right there. Love a good semantics oh, argument. Oh, man, love it. I would still say Nikola Jokic is the head of the snake. You know what I mean? He, he's he's what drives the Denver Nuggets. He's, he's the brains of the operation. He's who their offense runs through. He usually leads the team and assists on a given night. I would still say he's the head of the snake. And, and I know 
the old saying that you know, chop the head off, and 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 I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't know the expression, but <laughs> you know, something about taking the head off a snake and you'll kill and you'll kill the rest, which is true. But if you cut off the body of a snake, guess what? It's still pretty useless. If you even if you just have the head, you know what I mean. And I think this is this is not new. This is a tried and true method in the world of not just basketball but sports where you look at the best player on another team and you go, okay, he's going to get his. We know he's going to get his. We can put our best defender on him, and that guy is going to get his. Not much that we can do about that. But nobody else can – we can't let anybody else beat us. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it really does break down to that simple a philosophy, and there are more intricacies and wrinkles in it. I'm sure that Eric Spolster could explain to you if we had him here in the studio, but – I think it's more just that, that you're going to let the head of the snake go ahead. Go ahead. The head of the snake is going to do what it's going to do. But if there is no body to wrap itself around you and suffocate you and choke you out, then you'll probably still survive and probably even win this fight. I think they're just saying Jokic is going to get his. We can't let Murray and the rest do their damage. I think we're overlooking Murray. What's the head of the snake expression? I'm going to Google it while you talk. Go ahead. Pretty much that you got to chop off the head of the snake. That's pretty much the gist. Um, yes, that's the gist. But when but you're just, when yeah. you're looking at when you're looking at this Denver team, and it's not to say that Murray is the better player, no. But when you look at the role of Jamal Murray, I do think we discount the importance of Murray because all of the attention is on Jokic. In Miami, they did not put the extra attention on Jokic. They put the extra attention on Murray, and. They said to themselves, like, okay, we're going to defend Jokic one-on-one for the most part. We're going to put Bam on him. We're going to put a couple of other bodies on him. But we're going to play him one-on-one. And when we play our zone, we're going to have some of our wings and guards front him at the free throw line so we can't get that catch. But Jamal Murray was the guy that was getting extra attention. Jamal Murray was the guy that was getting blitzed and doubled. Jamal Murray is the guy that they said, we have to go bigger so we can put Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray. And when you look at it, how this team is effective, and again, it's it's not it's not just you know taking out Jokic and saying, all right, well, Murray is better than Jokic. No, Jokic is the better player, but Murray has the impact that can cripple a team. How many times have we seen Murray go bananas and just end a team? And when you look at defending the Nuggets. You have to attack Murray, and you have to pay special attention to him because of their effectiveness in the pick-and-roll. We always pay attention to Nikola Jokic's part in the pick-and-roll. Murray is as important in that pick-and-roll as Jokic is. That's, you know, that's uh, I feed off of you, you feed off of me kind of situation. too. They're codependent on each other exactly. in that situation. Yeah. That, that's the better way to say it. Thank you. So there is that codependence Redeemed myself, in the pick-and-roll <laughs> From both of those guys, and, and, and they know each other so well. The other thing is is that Murray is just an elite shot maker. Like, Murray's the guy that he's just, he can just murder you with elite shot making. Now, we've seen Nikola Jokic. Again, this is not a comp between Jokic and Murray. It's, it's not, okay, we're going to talk up Murray and we're taking away from Jokic. No, it's just I think Murray deserves more flowers. We talk about the Nuggets. We talk about Jokic. Eventually, sometimes, some people get to Jamal Murray. Murray's pretty damn important. He's the elite shot maker. He's that other half of the pick and roll. 
And also, by the way, he's got the premier matchup. I mean, we could talk about Bam Adebayo, but Bam Adebayo, who had a really good game too, he, for the most part, disappeared against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Heat still won that series. Jimmy Butler versus Jamal Murray might be the end-all, be-all of this series. Yep. If Jamal Murray can outplay Butler, that gives the Nuggets a great shot at winning this series. If Jimmy Butler can cancel out Murray or outplay him, then it's going to fall to Aaron Gordon, who's kind of inconsistent offensively. Michael Porter Jr., who hasn't you know really played well, especially in Game 2. He was atrocious. So that Butler-Murray matchup is just gigantic moving forward. I was reading a piece today. I don't remember where. I read a lot today getting ready for, for yeah, this many game. many leather-bound books, do you? Yes, yes, sir. Nice. And they were making the case that, you know, everybody's saying playoff Jimmy, myself included, hasn't shown up in this series. But you could make the case that he's been as good in this series as he's been in any other playoff series that they've had when you look at his assist numbers, when you look at the defense that he's playing, especially in game two and taking the assignment of Jamal Murray. And I think, I think that's maybe a trade off that's worth it, Nick, especially if his teammates are hitting shots like they did in game two. If you're getting a little bit less from Jimmy Butler on the offensive side, because he's putting in the work on the defensive side to try and contain Jamal Murray. I think that's probably a trade off that you take. If if you're the Miami Heat, like I said, especially if the guys around Jimmy are are hitting some threes and making up for whatever offense might be lacking there, that in terms of what you've gotten used to throughout these playoffs and some of the dominant offensive performance that he's that he's given you. Yeah, we were scheduled to be joined by Raphael Barlow, Uh-oh. but apparently he is uh, still in a draft media session, so we're going to push Raphael back. We're waiting to hear when we can have him on. So we'll have Raphael Barlow on the show to talk about the draft, talk about the Kings, maybe possible targets. We will eventually get to that as uh, he is uh, a little bit busy doing some business right now. So we still plan on getting a hold of him. Uh, We want your thoughts, though, on Jamal Murray. Is he being overlooked in this series? Is he more important than some people are are painting him to be? I think so. 916-339-1140 is the text line. Phone number is 1-800-920-1140. Also have uh, YouTube. YouTube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140. The, the expression is just cut off the head of the snake. I was right. Yeah. And I had questioned myself. I thought there was like a second part to it. Like cut off the head and the rest will follow or something. But it, the, the expression is just cut off the head of the snake. Yeah. And I think you're just supposed to assume the second part of that, the second half of that. Well, be proud. Be proud of yourself for nailing Thank you. It. Appreciate it. All right. We'll get uh, some of your reaction on Jamal Murray if you've got it. Also coming up. Uh, in 90 seconds is Trey Lance showing out. We'll have the latest. Cattles and Rami. Sacktown Sports. So this offseason, we have had uh, plenty of Trey Lance chatter up to the point where there was a story about Lance being on the trading block being the worst kept secret in the NFL. This was around the draft. And uh, many people were wondering whether or not Trey Lance would be dealt on draft week or draft weekend. He obviously wasn't. Uh, He is still a San Francisco 49er. And Kyle Shanahan met with the media yesterday, and he was asked about Trey Lance. He's ready for week one. Have you talked to Trey Lance or his agent about a potential trade? No. Okay, then. We have not spoken to Trey Lance. Pretty succinct. About a possible trade. Question answered. Thank you. Kyle Shanahan will give you lots of words if he wants to give you lots of words. He will also give you nothing if he wants to give you nothing. Yeah, but he doesn't want to. He's not going to give you nothing. No. 
Two letters, one word, no. That's it. That's the Bill Belichick school of press conferences. Look, I think we could all agree that Kyle Shanahan is not going to stand up in front of the media during OTAs and, uh, you know, mandatory minute camps and preseason and all that stuff that we're going to have over the next couple of months. I don't think any of us should expect Kyle Shanahan to publicly tell us, yeah, I've had a conversation with Trey about being traded. Of course I have. Talked about it because uh, guess what, guys? He was on the table. Uh, None of us should anticipate that coming from the head coach. However, I also think that it would be irresponsible as a franchise if they didn't have some conversations about Trey Lance's future and not necessarily talking to Trey Lance about getting traded, but talking to other teams about Trey Lance. I mean, you have to do that. Brock Purdy, by all accounts, is QB1. You went out and you signed Sam Donald. It would be ridiculous for us to believe that the Niners weren't at least entertaining the idea of trading Trey Lance at some point this offseason. Let me just play devil's advocate for a second. Sure. And may, and throw this out there, that maybe they haven't seriously discussed trading Trey Lance, not with Trey Lance, not within the organization, and not outside the organization for a couple of reasons. Yes, they're telling us Brock Purdy is QB1. And you know what? He probably gets every chance in the world to be QB1 if and when he's healthy and throwing footballs again and not towels. But if that doesn't work out, because they're not stupid, Nick, they they know what you and I know, which is we have an eight-game sample size to go on with Mr. Irrelevant, you know, in terms of his success at the NFL level. And there might be some fool's gold there in terms of the performance that we saw last year. So an insurance policy covering their ass a little bit and keeping Trey Lance around and maybe just maybe he pops and the guy that you traded the world for to get number three in the draft next year turns out to be that guy. Also, maybe they're thinking we would be selling at his absolute lowest value if we traded Trey Lance right now. It only serves us to keep Trey Lance around, get him healthy, get some play, some throws on tape, get a full season of him in a uniform and not in a training room somewhere, and then maybe we talk about trading Trey Lance down the road. There are reasons why you wouldn't seriously consider that or discuss that, again, with him, within the organization, and with other teams, that you just don't think it's worth it at this point to trade Trey Lance, and he serves as kind of an insurance policy and backup to Brock Purdy if things don't go right. Here's my devil's advocate to the devil's advocate. Okay. If you could get a second or third round pick, Trey Lance would have been traded. Sure. I mean, we could sit here and talk about, oh, it helps the team more, and it helps. If there was something on the table, which is why I think you have those conversations, because if you're the Niners, you want to figure out what could be on the table. The only way you're going to find out. If somebody calls and they're like, we'll give you a fourth or a fifth round pick, and you're like, no thanks, and you hang up the phone, is that having a serious discussion? When I say they don't want to sell low on him, I'm also saying nobody has come in with a suitable offer. But I did not say it was a serious discussion. I said it would be irresponsible if they didn't entertain the idea of trading him. And, again, doing due diligence and making phone calls or taking phone calls on Trey Lance is what they should do. That, that's, that's the right thing to do when you look at this business. That, that's what should be done. I agree with you, though, Rami, about the, the value part of it. You know, some of me wonders if a lot of the talk, a lot of the shine from John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, ulterior motive. 
is to build the value up because they know Trey Lance wasn't a valuable commodity on the market. And so every time they wax poetic about Trey Lance's mechanics or the you know very, very good offseason he's had and all of these things, I'm not putting it past Lynch and Shanahan that they're trying to build that value up because here's the thing. I don't think they want Lance to play. I don't think they'd be happy if Lance played. I think they want Brock Purdy to play. I think they believe in Purdy. I don't think they're sold on Lance anymore. And if you have Lance out there playing, then yes, arguably he could help his value, but also arguably he could hurt his value. If Lance goes out there and looks like Trey Lance from last year or the year before, which wasn't good enough in the in the very, very small sample size that we had, but if he goes out there and doesn't look like an NFL quarterback, or at least an NFL QB1, then he has zero value. So the best way is to almost be mysterious about it. Tell us just enough about how good he is now. Tell us how much he's improved during the offseason, but then hide him in mothballs when the, when the kickoff happens. And you don't want to see him. That, that's the best way to do it. You know, to wax poetic about the shorts and the t-shirts. And, you know, let him, let him go ham against oh, third-string defenses. so good this offseason. Yeah, let, oh. let him go ham against third-string defenses in the preseason. And then when it comes to big-time football, big-boy football, hide him again. Speaking of uh, this, this improvement, George Kittle was talking lots of good stuff about his young quarterback. I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think Trey looks significantly better than he did last year. Um, I really do. I think he's, his confidence is there. I think that... Um, he's throwing really good passes. I know you guys take videos sometimes. He overthrows people once in a while. Hey, it is what it is. He's still learning and stuff. But, I mean, just watching him, he just looks so much more comfortable and confident in the pocket. And I really appreciate that from him, from all the work that he's put into it. Um, I think all of our quarterbacks, I know I saw one of you guys had a stat that Brandon Allen didn't have any completion yet. That's pretty cool for him, too. But I think all of our quarterbacks are playing well. But, like I said, I think Trey's, he just looks comfortable back there. And he doesn't look like... um, he just looks like he's having fun, and I really appreciate that from him because when he's out there having a good time, it definitely brings up everyone around him. Now, I'm not going to call George Kittle a liar. He said, I'm not going to lie to you guys oh, at the well, top. No, then he's being honest. So he didn't lie to you. Whenever he says somebody like that, didn't lie. hands down. Nobody's ever no said, rules are broken. And nobody's ever <laughs> said, I'm not going to lie to you guys, and then follow it with a lie. That's never happened, Nick. I'll ever. just point out again, we're talking shorts and T-shirts. We're, we're talking, you know, not an active practice. Guys are not barreling down Trey Lance to try to murder him in the pocket. And I heard a lot of this kind of stuff last year. He's having fun. The improved mechanics, and he's going to be better. He's out there having fun. And then he looked like the same quarterback that he looked like the year before. And you had a coaching staff who was, but was ca- he, calling for a ton of quarterback runs. But was he having fun? Well, really, if earlier in the week i think right we 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 talked about how it's just really all about fun unless that was late last week cuz time is not even a thing to me in my head recently but uh yeah if it's a, if we're all out just to have fun then that's it's my goal every day when i come here did did Trey Lance have fun and as long as Trey Lance is having fun it was worth the trade and it was worth to bring him in that's all that matters he's just having a good time go out there and have fun having a great old time now, really the best case scenario for the niners is Trey Lance actually does prove himself to be a QB one because then you have some Brock oh, Purdy yeah. insurance, absolutely. But uh, and you feel like you're going to get if you're going to trade him eventually, you could get some good return on investment because right now, 
Your ROI is pitiful. Looking at uh, one Trey Lance, what you gave up for him and what he's given you. Oof. But he had a really, really good offseason. And he's having fun. And he's having fun. Maybe he's even a good guy. Probably, I, from all indications, great guy. All right, we've got some audio that will make you question if it's actually real audio or if this was some kind of, like, SNL skit. Uh, we'll get to that audio. Raphael Barlow will talk draft with us in about 45 minutes. So uh, we've rescheduled Raphael to 4.15. We'll talk Kings, draft targets, and some other stuff about the NBA draft, which, of course, is three weeks from tomorrow. Again, it's wild to think. Oh, snap. When you compare last year, right, and, and, and how we were talking about the draft and building up to the draft, and uh, Rami, you were not a part of the whole building up part because you you started the week of the draft. Yes, I did. Man, we were at a fever pitch about that fourth pick every day, segment upon segment about the draft. This year, not much, not much going on, which is a good thing. So we will have Raphael Barlow on the program. We'll talk draft with him again at uh, four fifteen. So about forty five minutes from right now. Meanwhile. Rami, uh, golf has looked pretty bad over the last day or so, but one entity has actually come out shining, and that is the Golf Channel. I saw a lot of people praising how the Golf Channel has covered the PGA Live Golf merger. And it would be real easy for them to to softball this thing. You know, kid glove it. Do you remember the NFL Network with Deshaun Watson? Oh, boy, do I. Yes. I think you got a Deshaun Watson segment once a week on that the NFL a Network. Back burner topic. They squeezed it in at like you know some ridiculous time at the end of a show. By oh, the way, Deshaun Watson. Oh, this thing happened with Deshaun Watson today. Yeah. Everybody have a good night. Jimmy Haslam's great. Awesome. The Haslam family. God bless him. But the Golf Channel again, according to a lot of people, I have not watched the second of the Golf Channel, but I've seen it on Twitter universally over the last day or so that mm-hmm. they've done a tremendous job. And uh, part of that is asking the right questions and asking the hard questions. And PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan was on the Golf Channel uh, today, I believe, right? This morning, yes, was it? this was this morning. And uh, he was asked about 9-11 because, as we mentioned yesterday, you know, Jay Monahan again, commissioner of the PGA, last year when he was attacking and going after all the golfers for joining Live Golf and talking about the, you know, we're not going to take money, blah, blah, blah. All that garbage. He also included 9-11. He invoked the the, the names of, of 9-11 families. And now you turn back and you, you do what you did. So Monaghan was asked about that on the Golf Channel. And uh, here was his, I guess I would say, attempt at answering it. Well, I, um, I read Terry's comments. Uh, I, I, you know obviously acknowledge her loss and completely understand her position. And to the question that you were just asking, you know, I wish I think about the fact that I allowed confidentiality to prevail here and in allowing confidentiality to prevail, I did not communicate to very important constituents including the families of 9-11. And I regret that. Uh, I, I, I really do. Um, but as we sit here today, 
you know, I, I think I think it's important to, you know, to reiterate that um, I feel like the move that we've made and, and how we move forward is in the best interest of our sport. We've eliminated those fractures. Um, but for for any uh, any difficulties I've caused on that front, again, I have to own that as well, and that comes back to communication. Can I translate? Sure. We chose money. Yeah. Right? He says, I put confidentiality before blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that was because you were thinking about all the money. And then when you signed the deal, despite using 9-11 victims' families as pawns, in, in your public relations attack on Live Golf and telling the whole world how they had they were using blood money and ruining the sport, that when you finally took that money, you were admitting that they were nothing more than just that, than yeah. pawns, than tools for you to win this fight with Live Golf that you ultimately took a bunch of money to 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 just to to settle and 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 end the fight. That's that's what he just told you right there. When he says this is great for the sport after admitting I was a crappy human being. It's cool for it's cool for golf, everybody. This is going to be great for golf. We're going to make a lot of money. This answer to me was fireable. Fireable offense. First, let's start here. This guy was completely unprepared to answer this question, which just tells you his utter lack of reality and what world he lives in. He did not think it was it was a matter of him just not believing they were going to ask that question because it was the golf channel. Maybe he thought he was going to be protected as the commissioner or it's just ignorance. I don't know how you go and, on there and you're that not ready for that question. And you know what the giveaway is? Because we're a talk show host, Rami. We know tap dancing. We know when you're thinking about something, you kind of utter some phrases to buy you some extra time when you're asked a question. And you say the question you were asking, for example, like Jay Monahan did, <laughs> it means he's stalling. After you go, I, I, I. I you see, I, uh, um, the question that you just asked, it's a good one, by the way. But uh, I do want to address that question, and, and I will address that question in just a few seconds. And, and thank you for having me on the show today. <laughs> like, stall, 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 because you're completely unprepared for the question, and you have no idea what you're going to say. Boy was shook. Oh, he was shook. Now let's get back to That's what just he said. Embarrassing, dude. I regret that. Uh, I, I, I really do. Thank God. Now let's get to what he actually said. He missed the point. He's apologizing for not communicating to the families of those who lost loved ones in 9/11. Again, completely unaware of the reality. Jay. It's not the fact that you failed to communicate to the families. It's the fact that you dragged them into this last year mm -hmm. to stand on your soapbox, and then you circled back and took the money anyway. You're missing the entire point. You're not understanding what people are mad about, Jay. Not the fact that you didn't text the families, you didn't, you didn't Zoom call them. It's because of what you said last year. And then you came back and took the money like the pig. That, that's what it's about. So completely unprepared, not actually addressing the point. And then about 60 seconds into this god-awful answer, it's right back to, hey, but this is good for the game of golf. You were just asked. To, 
The final 30 seconds of that audio you just heard, none of that needed to be said. You were asked about the families of 9-11. You clueless clown. You were not asked about what this does for the game. You were... When you do that, when when you do what he did, you are further disrespecting the question yeah. and disrespecting the people that you're supposed to be addressing. But if you think about it, there's really the guy sucks. There's there's no way he sucks for sure. He sucks bad. But there's there's really no way to to spin this, Nick, or to an, there is no correct answer to these questions. And he's he's now at this point. There is a correct answer. You know what he should have said. I suck. I shouldn't have said that last year. That was a stupid thing for me to say. I should not have brought in the 9-11 families into that conversation. This was a business situation, and I did what I thought I could do with the best of my ability to make the best business decision for the PGA Tour moving forward. Which is weaponize victims. And for people to go, oh, well, Nick, not everybody's going to handle it perfectly. That's crap. There's a reason why this guy is the commissioner of the PGA because he's supposed to be able to answer questions See, that, that way. That's what I was just about to say is that a lot of commissioners – I learned watching um, The Sopranos, Nick, that when you're the godfather, it it comes it does come with a lot of power and wealth and, and influence and everything else. But you're also the guy that's going to be – that's going to be the sacrificial lamb when the feds come a calling. You, you know what I mean? You're the guy that that's going to that's going to be walked out there. That's going to do the perp walk. That's going to face the charges. That maybe faces a little bit of time. And that's what commissioners largely are in sports. They're 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 the figurehead of this this for lack of a better term car- cartel. And it comes with a huge paycheck and a lot of power and influence. But when the stuff hits the fan. You're also the guy that's got to go out there and face the music. And that's where Jay Monahan is right now. And I just gave you off the top of my head how I would answer it. He didn't even have to do that much. All he had to say was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said what I said. I should not have brought them into this. And I'm sorry for that. And there's no need for me to comment any further on it other than I am sorry. Next question. Because that's all those people deserve, you dink. All they deserve is, hey, you lost a family member in the tragedy of 9-11, and I dragged you into this, and for that, I am sorry. I understand that I was wrong, and I am sorry. That's all that's needed. All the other fluff for 90 seconds while he's hemming and hawing and stalling, useless. I think that's a better answer, but I think we all still see right through it. And we still but at least try to fool me, Rami. We, we we still go. You're sorry. We're sorry for, as Simone put it. So Look, so he's, he's not going to win. No, there's that's no what winnable I'm situation for yeah. him because he put himself in in a in a an unwinnable situation. Because even if he says he's sorry, as Simone put it, so you're sorry for weaponizing victims is is what you're. So you knew you were doing that, and now you're sorry for it because it's come to light that you were doing that. Like there was no way to come out of this looking good. That was a better answer. Maybe it looks a little better, Nick, if he gives the answer that you just gave. But there's no way to come out of this looking good. It's crazy. Completely unprepared. Did not even really address the point that needed to be addressed. And then went right back to his robotic, we're going to be great. This is good for the game of golf. Crap at the end of it. You could not have handled that question any worse than he did. And he had 24 hours to be ready for it. Yeah, I don't know how you go on that show and be that unprepared. You know what? I'm going to say it, worse than Rob Manfred.
And it takes a lot to be worse than that guy. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Everyone breathe. That was, yeah. Jay Monahan. He's a villain. Yeah. And speaking of villains, we're going to honor the life of a classic villain with this week's draft mockery coming up. It's Thunder Valley's $20,000 20th anniversary cash giveaway. Five winners on Friday and Saturday nights in June. One very lucky guest wins twenty grand, guaranteed. See it. Hear it. Feel it. Thunder Valley Casino Resort. Feel the thunder. We're in the room and we're checking boards. Do you think we're being serious? Nah. It's the Mockery Draft. All right, let's get right to it. Rest in peace, Iron Sheik. Found out today that uh, the Iron Sheik had passed. 81 years old. And uh, Iron Sheik was just a fantastic Twitter follow, if anybody knew. We can't read most of his tweets on the air, but it, yeah. Yeah, if you knew, you knew. Uh, he, he was uh, just tremendous. Tremendous on social media. Nick, answer this for me, because I've asked this to Verlod. He had someone operating his, his Twitter form? Or... I, I believe so. I, yeah. I don't know if uh, that's exactly what happened, but, I mean, they... When they announced that he passed, somebody obviously, you know, had tweeted a, a long message about it. And, you know, so maybe that's what it was. I've heard the Iron Sheik in a lot of, well, in, interviews. Yeah. Mostly on the Howard Stern show. And if somebody was was running his Twitter account for him, they were transcribing what he was saying. because, Or they were just very good at capturing the Sheik's voice. Because yeah, was, maybe he would, you know, maybe was, he would say it and they would tweet it right, or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's get to the uh, draft mockery. Uh, in memory of the Iron Sheik, we're going to go with the uh, best slash favorite wrestling heels. Your favorite wrestling heels, best favorite, whatever you want to say. We got uh, JJ leading off. Then we'll go to Rami, then me, and then Simone. Go ahead, JJ. Yeah, this was, uh, as you said last week, this was a difficult one for me because I'm not really up on wrestling. So you'll see a lot of these are going to be old school for me. I'm leading off with my guy, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. That's a good one. He's a first rounder for sure. (laughs) First rounder, no doubt. Million Dollar Belt Man. Absolutely fantastic. I would literally, there's one thing I would still attach myself to wrestling to, and I would buy that Million Dollar Belt. That thing was sharp. It's a beauty. It is. An absolute beauty. All right, Rami. Um, this guy, I think he's the ultimate heel. He's he's the, the, a generational heel. It's Vince McMahon, uh, yeah. right? Isn't Not that the, the dude? Yeah. He was pretty high on my list. He was uh, he was near the top of my board, Mister McMahon. He's yes. he's the the corporation, the boss. Like who wouldn't want to? I, I love our bosses here, but who hasn't had a job where you haven't wanted to walk in and give your boss a stone cold stunner or a people's elbow or something? He was, you know what such, I mean? he was such he a huge part. That. Yeah, and he you could watch it happen. He was such a huge part of the rise of of Stone Cold. Like you know, if you don't have the foil, if you don't have McMahon, then the Stone Cold character isn't as great as it was. Brian, Steve, Chad, I don't want to body slam any of you. Okay, so I've got to uh I've I've got to take one and this was this was my top on the board. Look. For my money, greatest wrestler of all time. Also known as the dirtiest player in the game. You got to go with Ric Flair. So Ric Flair. Oh. 
Ric Flair is my guy. See, this is... JJ. Epic heel, his battles with Dusty Rhodes. JJ, you were saying you don't really know wrestling. I think yeah. I'm, I'm probably somewhere right in between you and Nick. I probably... I know my, my breadth of knowledge is a little deeper than yours, but... I was never a WCW guy. I didn't yeah. even know Ric Flair was a heel. Oh, yeah. I thought he was a face. Dirtiest player all in the this game. time. Four horsemen, heels all the way. Yeah. And I also, I haven't really watched wrestling in a good, I don't know, 10, 15 years at least. So, more recent, modern stuff, I have no idea. And WCW, I have no idea. You know, right, the, so. the thing for me real quick, Ric Flair is, is people love him so much that it's almost yeah. kind of tough to look at him as being right. Not when he was a heel. I call though. him a bad guy. My bad, man. Mm. I'm... I'm uh, elementary, my words. They, they love him. Many people love him now because you know he's seventy four years old. But sure. In in his in his prime when he was when he was doing his thing, dirtiest player in the game. All right, Simone, you got back to back. Beautiful. So under these stipulations here, I guess we are not accepting Roman Reigns. He's a good guy. I'm taking him as a bad guy for what I've seen. Right. I don't know. Fast and furious. I will defer to Nick on this. What was it? Roman Roman Reigns? Reigns? Yes. Roman Reigns is the... Easy there, Marv Albert. Roman Reigns. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That could be either uh, Marv Albert or uh, Ed McMahon, can it? Yes. Yes. He has to come home. Yes, you are correct, Uh, sir. I mean, Roman Reigns, we're talking about somebody who has held the undisputed universal heavyweight championship of the world for more than 1,000 straight days. Yes. Known as the tribal chief. Yes. And you should acknowledge him. Yes, Roman Reigns is. Is that the same one that's in Fast and Furious? Uh, Stop. I don't know. I don't watch Fast and Furious. I I have no idea here. Uh, Roman Reigns, yes. Absolutely. Very high on my list. I am also going to take Shaneri, the librarian, please. Who? I have no idea who that is. Good luck with that. I don't even know that one. Who is that? I've been coached a little bit. Shaneri, the librarian? Yeah. I think for a lot, who wouldn't you? Yeah. I I never heard of that. It's (laughs) not landing how I want it to right now because I thought at least Nick would understand it. But I've watched some videos. I thought it was really funny. He went out to Yang Yang Twins, the Whisper song. So I had to take it. He's a real dude. I thought. I don't know. I know the librarian from like AEW, which I don't think is the one you're talking about. I thought you got catfished by Verlot and he just gave you the (laughs) name of a fake wrestler to come on here and and make a fool of yourself. But no, that's real. And I know that there are some other popular people coming, but. I liked okay. I liked what he was saying. All right, so this is very tough. I got a bunch of people on my list. I'm going to go because of the moment. I'm going to go with Hollywood Hulk Hogan because when when he joined the wow. NWO, yeah. Everybody was a gas. That's shocking. That's the greatest heel turn yes. in the history of wrestling. So I, I've got to put Hollywood Hulk Hogan I'm on my list. So mad. I also asked for Lot if he's a bad guy, and he said no. Oh, he definitely was when he first <sighs> went over sick. to WWE. You got to say See, you got to say Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Hollywood. Yeah, not okay. just not Hulk Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan was a different you. character. Yeah, Hulk altogether. Hogan was a face. Hulk Hogan was yes. the okay. biggest face in wrestling yes. for a long time. And I, but uh, and I appreciate that clarification. When he Thank dropped you. the big leg and joined the NWO and announced the world, the new world order, brother. Wasn't this their thing, <laughs> brother? Or no, this. It was this. Oh yeah, this, this thing, the Playboy thing. Too sweet. Too sweet. <laughs> so for the people out there that's like me, that's called a good guy. Yes. He's a good guy. All right, Rami, you're up next. We can go managers, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, Bobby, me. Bobby the uh, Brain Heenan. The Brain was on mine. Bobby the Brain Heenan, baby. He was my manager. Oh, man. Damn you, Rami. 
He was awesome. That guy is the ultimate heel. He God rest. Hate. So you great. love to hate Bobby Heenan. Yeah. God rest Bobby the Brain Heenan. For real. Yes, Fantastic. Sir. All right, yes, Jay, you got uh, back to back. All right, I'm going Ravishing Rick Rude. Ooh, the Ravishing One. one. Any person one. that puts a uh, another wife on their on their trousers. Yes. <laughs> like Clubber Lang in, the, in Rocky Three, and, right. then, and then violently violently gyrates in the ring. Yes. <laughs> and then the next one I'm going is is I was gonna go Bobby the Brain. You snuck snuck that off my board. I'm going Mr. Perfect, aka That's great. Kurt Henning. That is Love a them. great pick. Love Mr. Perfect. <laughs> the Perfect Plex, baby. Love Mr. Perfect. With the ponytail. He's got the Robbie ponytail rocking. Oh, stop it. I used to perfect plex my brother. It was like, no. it was, I could nail that move. Smack the so, bubble gum out of the air. I was so good at, at, perf- at perfect plexing my brother. He used to come out, spit up, spit out the right. uh, bubble gum and slap it. I still try to do that. I swear to God, whenever I chew gum, I still try to do that. Miss uh, every time. Iconic. Miss every time. Dude is, uh, yeah, legend. Legend status. Back around to me? Yes. Uh... Again, I'm going to go back to my childhood. We were talking about Hulk Hogan, the Iron Sheik. The other big heel at that time was Rowdy Roddy Piper, man. Love Rowdy. Loved Rowdy Roddy Piper. The man who smashed Jimmy the Superfly Snooker with a coconut <laughs> on a talk show. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Did Piper. a lot of stuff that uh, in today's climate yeah. <laughs> might not fly. Don't know if you could hit Jimmy with a coconut in 2023, no. but it, was an, it no. was an epic heel move in the 80s. He also wore, let us say, some face paint and a wig he that did, is he, not he, okay oh, anymore. Oh, he, yeah. did, uh, he did go half. half uh, yes, he did. Yes. Yes, he did. I yeah. did see that on yes. the Twitter. Mm-hmm. The Didn't, he okay. Didn't he go half? Didn't he go half? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. He yeah. never go half. <laughs> is half worse than full? I don't know. I think it's all pretty bad. Yeah, it was terrible. All right, uh, back to me. Man, oh man. Did we mess up your draft board? Did we no. throw you off? Or are you just trying to pick between two guys right now? A lot of guys. Okay. Or gals. I'm going to go. Yeah, where are the ladies? I'm going to go with HBK. I'm going to go with Shawn Michaels. He was a heel uh, there a for a minute, wasn't he? Sweet yeah. chin music to Marty Janetti through the barbershop window. <laughs> Pia! Yep. Also, was, uh, I mean, he was also the Montreal Screwjob. Yeah. He was in on screwing Bret Hart yeah. at Survivor Series 97. That's true. I forgot the heel turn on Marty Janetti. Right through the window. The rockers. So, so many good ones. <laughs> I right. love the Rockers. Uh, finish it up, Simone. All right. Do I get two or one? One. Where do you got two? I'm torn. I'm torn. I will go with what I truly know, not someone I was introduced to today, with Chris Jericho. <laughs> Give me Chris Jericho, uh, please. He's, he's, he's like, great. he's one of my favorites of all time. I still say his entrance into what then was the WWF. Oh, fantastic. Maybe one of the greatest entrances into a, a wrestling uh, entity August, that I've seen. August of 1999. <laughs> Countdown the to the tea. millennium. And, and remember for like weeks leading up to that, that giant clock and countdown would go yes. up on the jumbo trying to was like, what is this? What is know, happening? I know the story behind that. Oh. Jericho came up with that. He went to a post office and was at the post office. They had a countdown to 2000 or whatever, or the millennium. And he saw it and he said that would be a great way to oh. debut. Um, I'm going to look this up. Was it August 9th that he I mean, debuted? It's the game. Was it August 9th? I don't know. It was right around my birthday. Couldn't tell you. Rami, you know. 
Pull out your knowledge here. It was definitely August 9th. There it was August go. 9th. See, I told you. Damn. Didn't I tell you that? I'm a loser. Come on, man. You just have like an elephant mind. You just are really Yeah, good I remember memory. really weird things. I know. I know. Uh, so others on my list. Macho Man. Pff, come on. He yeah. split up the mega powers. Yeah, for real. Uh, the Iron Sheik. Hello. The guy that we're honoring. I did think Hulk Hogan was a little too. Sheik versus Hogan was touchy classic. feely with Miss Elizabeth. You Jake the mean? Snake Roberts. I didn't see much. Was my other person. Jake Love the Snake Jake Roberts the snake. was great. Remember the Snake Pit? We have others. Joe Jarose, Raven, Andy Kaufman, CM Punk. Dominic. Do they still do anything like the barbershop or the Snake Pit oh, or the oh, yeah. Piper's yeah. Pit? Yeah, maybe. Not as good stuff. Not as good, but they <laughs> okay. still do some. Right. Joe Jarose was in Chicago for Jericho's debut. Oh. Okay. What okay, about, uh, what's up. my guy, J-E-double-F? Jeff Jarrett. Oh, J E double F J A double R E double T. I love Jeff Jarrett. Double J Jeff Jarrett. He stole the honky tonks whole shit. He's in AEW. He's doing a fantastic comic heel in AEW right honky now. Honky tonk man, a great heel. All right, we're really late. Big Van Vader. Um, can uh, yeah. can Nick Bo Vader time? Uh, can Nick Bosa actually get you guys? Get me talking wrestling. I could do the next three hours without a break. I can do it. Uh, can Nick Bosa actually get better? We'll get to that next. Cattles and Rami. Sacktown Sports.